Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. The Falklands War began on the 2nd of April 1982. I remember it well. It was my penultimate year at school. And this was when the British government dispatched a naval task force to engage the Argentine Navy and Air Force. It's now the 40th anniversary of the war and events are taking place right across the country, but certainly here in the Midlands. On the 9th of June, one such event will be held at the National Memorial Arboretum. And to tell me all about it is Kevin Spruce, who's on the line now. Good evening, Kevin. Hello. Thank you very much for joining me this evening. Kevin, first of all, for anybody who is perhaps below the age of 40 and is therefore oblivious to the Falklands War, can you just tell me a little bit about it and why it began and, you know, how long it lasted? Yeah, Uh, the Falklands conflict was an undeclared war, although it's often called a war, it was undeclared, uh, between Argentina and Britain. The conflict lasted uh, 74 days, and over 900 souls, including three Falcon Islands women, um, uh, were lost. Mm. Um, the dates were 2nd of April until the 14th of June. The sovereignty of the islands located in the South Atlantic, um, approximately 8,000 miles from Britain and 300 miles from Argentina, have been contested by Argentina since 1833. The majority of Falkland Islanders wanted to stay British and many families still commemorate the loss of three of their own, uh, Susan Whiteley, Doreen Bonner and Mary Goodwin, who will be remembered at the NMA event. Okay, now you talk about the NMA, that's the National Memorial Arboretum. Again, for anyone who's unfamiliar with that, I mean, I've been there several times, it's beautiful, but uh, can you just describe it to me? Yeah, the National Memorial Arboretum is um, an all-year-round centre of remembrance. This is not just for military people. The Arboretum features over 300 thought-provoking memorials for military, public service and civilian organisations and associations, along with tributes for individuals of those groups. It symbolises, in a, I think you'll agree, in a sympathetic manner, mm. the fascinating stories of those who it represents. It is a place where one can attend and remember brothers and sisters no longer with us. Okay, that's lovely. Now, you're planning an event, aren't you, for uh, the 9th of June for the 40th uh, anniversary of the Falklands conflict. Tell me about that. Well... <clears throat> It's, it's a part of a, a larger event, uh, which is an eight-day cycle ride uh, from starts at Cardiff, um, goes through Brecon, Hereford, um, to Wolverhampton, to, Arbor- uh, to the Arboretum, uh, Litchfield Way, and then goes south back down to uh, Aldershot. The mission is to undertake a Falklands War Remembrance cycle ride. Mm-hmm. The overall reasoning behind the ride is to foster inspiration, comradeship, endurance and endeavour in war veterans, um, a cohort quite often forgotten. Um, June 22nd is the 40th anniversary of Falcons War and the route of the cyclists taking eight days will include visiting related places, memorials dedicated to the events of 1982. Um, The reason why we're doing this at the 40th anniversary is um, most of the riders are over 60 uh, because of the date of the war. Mm -hmm. That's fairly obvious. Mm -hmm. 
So when they're 50, they'll be 70 and maybe not be able to ride the eight days and the 50 miles a day. Uh, so we put all our efforts into the 40th anniversary. And of course, many won't be here. Um, there will be a core group of 20 riders and an invite to any other cyclist to join the team for whole days or for any length of the ride. We invite all non-cyclists to support the cyclists on the route. The cyclist group will ride an average of 13 miles per hour, uh, the speed being kept low. But mm-hmm. Most of them cycle 60 to 100 miles a day, they're part of the group, sure. but they've considered the people joining them and they're lowering their uh, miles per hour and lowering their length, which is uh, about 50 miles a day. Um, the group is made up of Falcon Island veterans, uh, civilians and Falcon Islanders uh, and invites the general public to either ride with them or to support them on the side of the road as they pass. And it must mean a tremendous amount to the cyclists that are Falkland Island uh, people really, wouldn't it? I think that's true. Um, I went uh, back to sea to say goodbye to friends in 2014 um, and I was invited to, I don't know, over 80 uh, uh, lunches and dinners come to our house come the, they truly appreciate what what was done for them uh, in 1982 so yes um there's a lot there's a local islander um who lives near me and he's making he's taking it out of work and making the journey uh because he he feels privileged um and he's going to make the effort to attend the arboretum how did you get so, yes, involved with this, Kevin? Means a lot. Mm. How did you get involved with uh, this? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me your story. How did I get involved? Um, Gus, who organises it, we usually meet at the Arboretum about once a month just for coffee and a chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both said in the same unit in the Falklands, which is nine passage squadron Royal Engineers. Gus being Royal Engineers, I'm Remy, I'm Royal Electrical Mechanical Engineers. But we met up um, and he sort of uh, planned this. And then I got a phone call saying, will you um, organise the uh, Arboretum? It's about an hour away from me, so it, it makes sense. Most people live a long way away. Um, so I said, yeah, and it's taken most of my life for the past 18 months. What was it like for so, you? So a thank you card for Gus will be there. Excellent. What was it like for you, Kevin, serving in the Falklands? Um, yeah, I'm, I don't talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's an experience. But the way that I explain it is, if I had my life again, I would um, do exactly the same. Mm. I want to do exactly the same. However, I wish that I didn't have the memories of it. Yes. No, I, I can imagine. And, and basically, that's what I say. Okay, well, I won't press you any any further on that. But you're now a counsellor and therapist uh, working with veterans. So from your experience, you're turning that into something even more positive. How does that work? Well, I've done lots of things since I've left the army. Um, I think I get bored very quickly. Mm. Um, And then I went into law uh, for about 12 years. And then I couldn't understand my own thinking. So then I went back to university to do a master's in counselling and set up my own uh, practices um, because I wanted to understand myself. And what happens is when I get people coming to me, civilian or military, and we work together to uh, make get them aware of their um, their issues, then it helps me to understand myself better. And the more I understand myself, the more that I can help people. Um, 
So basically, as it says on the can, I counsel and therapists work with um, war veterans, veterans and their families. Um, so I help them make sense of what might not make sense to themselves. Uh, Veteran Council Service has been in place for 12 years now, and I also have a civilian practice, Cheshire Therapy Services. Um, so I think it's a two-way thing. Uh, even with the civilians, it's I learn, they learn, and uh, hopefully at the end of it, we're both better off. Now, the problem is, you see, 40 years ago, we didn't understand about what we call today PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. How different yeah. do you think things would be for veterans now if there was that support and infrastructure there back then? Because they may still have issues, they may still need counselling and therapy, but do you think that they would not be quite so deep-rooted? And do you think you would be in a better place if that support had been there then? Um, I, I'm, I can't say that I suffered very deeply with it. I certainly suffered the symptoms of mm. post-traumatic stress. Um, uh, many people uh, are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, which is something very different. I mean, it, it's, it, it's more complicated. Uh, so it's a complex issue. Um, and uh, it's about understanding that whatever they come to me with is probably not what their issue is. Uh, and it's just about patience and, and working with them. And basically what I tell them is I walk with them to where they don't want to go. However, the most important thing is I bring them back yeah. um, because if they're left where they are, then it just reinforces their fears. It reinforces that. And many, many people who have uh, ended up, um, one chap said he just spent all day in his room smoking grass right. because that's all he could cope with. He left his room to go and school grass. Mm. Uh, and he's now at uh, university uh, studying to be a counsellor. Excellent. So again, a positive's come out of that. Yeah, yeah, I think that the, that uh, that's that's very true. I think counselling is a positive thing for anybody with any sort of trauma or any stress, but especially for um, war veterans and military people. Most of their stresses come from transition. Uh, they may find it very difficult to make the transition to uh, civilian street, uh, as we call it. And I would say, if I look at myself, that I haven't never made that transition. I still think in a sort of a military way. I'm not. Mm. I don't get out of bed and start marching around the house. No. But I think in a in a military way, um, and that's a difficulty. Is that transition from um, the way you think? It's not that we can't. We don't pay bills or we don't do this. We do all of that, but it's it's a way of life. It's a way of thinking, and that transition uh, is difficult for many. I think it's, you know, without wishing to sound patronising, it's very noble of you to, to you know, offer this um, counselling and therapy because, as you said, people are sharing their stories with you. It's helped you to find out more about yourself. But surely that must have stirred up some deep-rooted emotions within your own mind. How did you deal with those yeah, it, to it, allow it, them it not to does. affect, to allow them not to affect the therapy and counselling that you're giving? Well, at the very beginning, yes. Uh, but then I was having... Um, supervision, uh, as counsellors have to have supervision once a month. I was having supervision once a week. So I was very aware that what I would take on board could impact on the next person. Um, and, um, sorry about that, there's phones going in the background. Um, the, that's okay. The uh, phone just went off in the house, so I apologise. No problem. Um, so it's the idea that, um, 
if whatever gets into me is taken out of me on a weekly basis. So it's about um, it, it's about being controlled. No matter what happens, it's going to affect. Even if it's a civilian who's had trauma as a child, mm. that's still going to affect me. It's how I deal with that. So yes, you're right in saying it could. Uh, impact on the way that I deal with my clients. Mm. However, I deal with that by having counselling uh, myself and supervision. Now, you're inviting cyclists and cyclist clubs to do 40 laps at the Aldersley Velodrome, which is in Wolverhampton. Um, why are you doing yeah. that and ha- how are you going to uh, to execute that? Well, um, the... Um, I think that the, the uh, organiser, Gus, approached them because it seems if you're doing a bike ride, the Lavellodrome is a good place to, mm. um, to um, attend. And um, they offered for free uh, to do 40 laps for 40 years. So it, it's fantastic that they're supporting this bike ride, which is an amazing thing, um, we believe. And basically, people can turn up on the 8th of June Informed staff that they're there for the Falklands 40 laps of 40 years, and from 1100 hours or 11 a.m., um, they can uh, ride around 40 times around the velodrome for, for no cost for pro bono. The whole event is based on inclusivity, and so anyone can attend with their own bike. We have beginners attending, we have young people attending, and we have people with disabilities attending. So really, it's open for everybody to go. And if you can't ride, if you don't ride a bike or don't have a bike, to go there and support the the people who do there uh, would be absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Um, and, you, and as I say, you're looking also for people um, for your Falklands 40th cyclists. Um, just remind me again how people can get involved with that. Um, if they were to uh, either go onto the uh, Falklands Anniversary um, bike ride on the, the uh, Facebook, uh, that's the main contact for uh, all the group. Um, and they just mention uh, what, you know, if they want to do the Brecon to uh, Hereford uh, route, then all it is is um, to, to know where they start and finish. Um, or if they want to contact me uh, directly, um, I will be able to uh, put them in the right direction. Um, so um, if, they direct, if they contact me on veteranscounsellingservice at gmail.com, so, then um, I will then, you know, discuss if they want to, whichever leg they want to do, I'll tell them where to be to start and where it will end. Right. Uh, and people can just do 100 yards if they want to or the whole day. It's, it's about inclusivity. It's just about come along uh, uh, and join in. How should people prepare for that kind of event then, Kevin? What would you recommend? Well, I think it, it's, it's difficult because the people who are doing the ride are doing probably six to 100 miles a day. But if you're going to do 10 miles, then obviously train up to 10 miles. If you just want to come along and do, you know, a mile or two, then most people do that riding to the shops. Um, so it's about what, what your intention is and to how much training you do. Um, but I would, I would imagine that if you're going to join, because it is on roads, that, you know, to make sure that you're, you, you've trained, you practice riding on roads and, and realize what that's all about. Um, but yeah, I think that, um, um, training is a good thing for anything. Um, but if you want to do a hundred yards with the guys, then you don't need to train for that. 
Sure. So we've got the 8th of June at the Aldersley Velodrome in Wolverhampton where people can uh, arrive for 11 o'clock in the morning and do 40 laps of the Velodrome. And then the next day... Um, you've got the um, the uh, the ninth of June, which is the uh, the cycle ride. Have I got that correct? That's when that yeah. starts. Uh, the cycle ride goes from the velodrome up to the National Memorial Arboretum, um, and we're taking. We have standards to walk the cyclists. Cyclists will come into the uh, National Memorial Arboretum with their bikes. So they'll be wheeling their bikes, won't be riding them, wheel them, and then we'll have standards to walk them up to the uh, Falklands Memorial. Um, so um, they consist, as we said before, Falklands veterans uh, and general public. Can, and if the general public do the ride from Aldersley uh, to the NMA, they will be able to come in with the, un, with the standards and with their own bikes. They have to keep their bikes with them. Yes. And they can walk up to the memorial and become part of the event itself. Um, what we're commemorating, the overall um, uh uh, the eight-day bike ride is um, inspiration, comradeship, endurance, and endeavour. So that's about the cyclists. Mm-hmm. At the Arboretum, we're commemorating those uh, that we left behind on the dockside, which are our families. The Arboretum event will include commemoration event, uh, which um, uh, will start off with a speech from the organiser, Gus. Um, and we have Falcon Island's vet singers who are singing their own songs. Um, uh, we've got a professional singer, Julia Mosley, who's giving up her time um, for uh, to sing a couple of songs. Uh, her own song, um, Slipping Away, uh, and the song, uh, Stand on My Grave and Weep, uh, which is a poem which she's put into a song, uh, which I think is, um, is good for the event itself. Uh, there will be some poems. We, we wanted um, James Love, James Jock Love, to come up and read some of his poetry, but he's not well. Um, so he's allowed me to... Uh, I've chosen a poem, he's chosen a poem, and I'll be reading those out um, at their Jock, Jock's got uh, four or five books that he's published out. Um, we're having short stories from families of veterans and Falkland Islanders uh, about the war, so we're keeping this family base. Um, and at the end, the attendees will have the opportunity to talk to the cyclists before they leave uh, to Meriden, their next uh, stop. Lovely. So, uh, remind so me again it's how a busy we... day, hopefully. Absolutely. Remind me again how we can get in touch with you, Kevin. Um, if you get in touch with me on the email, it's veteranscounselingservice at gmail.com. Lovely veterans counseling service at gmail.com. Kevin, all the yeah. very best with those events. As you say, very, very worthwhile indeed. And Kevin Spruce, thank, thank you very you. much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 8pm. If you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by Clive Payne and produced by Andy Caddick.